Welcome to Young Leaders Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping young leaders connect and grow. Welcome back to the podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for part two of our conversation with Brad Lominick. If you didn't get the chance yet, go back and listen to part one so you can catch up with what's going on. We had such a great conversation with him and I hope you enjoy part two of the podcast. Before we jump in, if you like the podcast and it's benefited you, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And also come and find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to start a conversation with you there. So without further ado, let's jump into part two of our conversation with Brad Lominick. So in your time at Catalyst, I know you worked with a lot of millennials. Uh, what was your experience like working with them and leading them? What were some positives or some negatives? Yeah, you did a lot of internships, right? Like it was a big, a big internship yes. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the positives are, are things we've already talked about. I mean, they, they came in looking at me going, I want your job, which I love like, great, come on, let's go. Uh, and, and, and they, meaning that, meaning that they don't, they don't see this big gap between the, the person in charge and them as this lowly intern. And so it's, so approachability and accessibility is no longer these dividing lines for a 22-year-old cool because they 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 can get in touch with anybody and they you're not impressive to them as the leader i mean they 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 may you know what i mean like it just there's that that gap whereas when i walked in to you know first time i was 22 and working in an environment i was i was really i was really intimidated by the layers of hierarchy (laughs) and and anymore that just even if the hierarchy exists, it just it doesn't phase the average twenty-two-year-old walking in. So that's that was a big one that I actually liked. I mean, I I liked the fact that they just they felt comfortable just to sort of mosey into my office. Yeah, well, um, it's so it's so different. I can tweet Craig Rochelle and he can tweet me back in today. Exactly. You know. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. You you have you the, even though even though you feel like those are far apart, they're really not. Right. Right. Still yeah. waiting, um, Craig. By the way. Still waiting. <laughs> so you can't on, tweet Craig Rochelle. You can tweet me personally. <laughs> Listen, Craig Rochelle, get on get on that phone and, and tweet us back. Let's go, man. Come on. That that's a that's a that's a big one though. Is is just walking in with that. Um, I, I was gonna say a, a couple of potential negatives are that that you've got to you still got to you still got to show up and, and sort of earn the right to be heard based on your, your willingness to be faithful and being, you know, building credibility through these small insignificant shadow moments compared to, I want to show up and within a couple of months, Brad, like I'm, I, I should be hosting catalyst or I should be, you know, I should be the one on the podcast doing the interviews or I should be speaking at the next event. And, you know, maybe, but Hey, what happens if you're not, what happens? So are you being faithful to those, to those shadow moments when nobody knows who you are and you're, you're, you know, you're moving the needle one day at a time being faithful to what you've been called to in this season. And that, that had to be, that had to be reinforced. And I, I think that's the danger is, is okay just keep keep being faithful in the small things because that's going to give you the runway potentially for something more significant 
but at the same time, what you're doing right now is the most significant thing you've ever done. And, and just owning that sense of stewardship and, and having that mentality that says, I'm going to crush it in today. I'm going to, I'm going to be willing to work my guts out and, and be excellent and show up and carry this mantle of this internship, even though I'm a nobody, like I'm in charge. And, you know, that makes you a great employee. It also makes you a really good servant and a really good like kingdom employee because we know this is true like from scripture you know that the the faithful and little faithful and much but also like the the idea of the of the stewardship of your and you know your your faithfulness in that internship to whatever you've been assigned to do is equal to me being faithful with running the organization Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're right. Your kingdom, your kingdom scorecard. That, that's so you're you're turning your one into two, and I'm turning my ten into twenty, and those are those are equal in the scorecard of the kingdom. And and if we will get that mindset, then that changes everything for us. When we look around and go, well, does anybody know I exist? Like, I, man, I, I and that's that's true. Not just when you're twenty, it's true when you're thirty and forty and fifty. Just a great thought of just being like, hey my one to two is the same as your 10 to 20 in God's economy. In God's economy, man. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. not, in, not in the man's economy, but definitely right. in the kingdom economy. That's very cool. Way to, that's like just a, a weight lifted off of leader's shoulders. I could feel it right now. Right. It's like, oh cool. yeah. Yeah. You, you had mentioned a little bit about how millennials have to first build that credibility in the workplace before they can kind of, you know, before they can take that seat at the leadership table that they think they deserve. So can you, can you dig into that a little bit more? What are some ways that, leaders can build credibility and where are some ways that they can lose it? Yeah. 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 It's a good question. Um, well, I think the way you lose it is that you, um, you, you have a, a, a spirit on you of expectation that hasn't been placed in your lap yet. And that we all know what that is. It's the big E word. It's the dangerous E word that nobody likes to talk about. It's entitlement. It's that sense that I walk in and expect it, and that's dangerous, um, and that is that is not the way you lead up well. So I, I love what Groeschel, speaking of Groeschel, I mean, he says, he says, honor is given, respect is earned. Honor is given, respect is earned. And this is this is a great thing to think about when it comes to how do I fight entitlement? Is that I don't ex- I don't I don't expect to be respected. I don't expect to be respected. I, I have to earn respect. And that that's credibility, right? I mean, so I, how do I earn credibility? Well, I show up and do what I've been assigned to do well. And I crush it. I, I Every assignment I'm given, I, I crush it. And I get it done before I'm supposed to get it done. And I, you know, I, I anticipate. That's another thing that's so important is, I mean, you, I've heard this said, and I don't remember who said it, but or I, otherwise I would give proper credit is that most leaders have 20% on their plate that they don't like. And let, let's just take, you know, let's, let's just take my example of when, when I'm running Catalyst and I've got an intern or a, you know, an assistant or somebody on the team, the way they lead up to me is they help me figure out how to take that 20% that I don't like, or I'm not good at and do that. Man, if you, if you just take, if you take some of that 20% away from whoever you work for, I promise you, you, you will add value. Um, and that's not, 
that you got to be careful about that, but it's that's just one way to look at it. And when I say anticipate, I mean that you're 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 th- you're watching so intently the the leader or the team that you're on, and you're finding opportunities to to take on the things that are not getting done, or that others don't want to do, or that you know need to be done, but but no, it's kind of a gray area. And you walk in and you go, I'll take those things and I'll I'll go figure those out and I'll make sure they get executed on. And and some of that is you you anticipate by asking forgiveness on the backside instead of permission on the front side. But it but it's also walking in and saying to again the person you lead or whoever you're around, hey, I've noticed a few things here. Here's my list of like five things that I would love to just go ahead and put on my plate. Is it okay if I take these things on and take care of them? Every leader that 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 I know is going to go, yes, thank you, you're amazing. That's awesome. Compared to here, compared to the other way, which a lot of young leaders, I hear this from them, or I see this from them, is they walk in and they go, hey, I'm I'm I've, I got everything done, uh, because pretty much like you're not you're not challenging me and. You're giving me like menial tasks, so I'm I'm done, and I really need you to tell me what else I need to do right now. Yeah. All you did is just add more work to my plate, because now I've got to manage you. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Compared to compared to you go figure it out, and you come back to me and go, hey, I went ahead and did these five things, and I look at you and go, you are worthy of a job promotion because you just you just turned into an anticipator. Instead of somebody sitting around with their arms crossed, going, "Well, nobody, nobody's challenging me around here. Um, I'm, I'm too smart for everybody here." That, that's the wrong posture to have. So th- those are a few things that stand out. We see that in student ministry of just simple things of like, "We need more chairs." <laughs> right. <laughs> Get more chairs. Like. <laughs> yes. If that's yes. what we need. Like you don't need to and, and, to go through me. And I don't need you to. I don't need you to like write a paper about doing chairs. <laughs> I, I don't need you to gather all your friends and, and talk about why the chairs haven't been put out. And this is crazy. Like this place is so dysfunctional. We don't know how to put chairs. Out. I Exactly. Just go get a chair, go grab a chair and put it out. And that, that will solve so many leadership issues in a lot of organizations, because the other thing that's true about not just millennials, but people, in general, especially in an organization, especially in volunteer driven organizations, which the church is, is that we would rather create drama than create results. Mm-hmm. Most, most of us would rather be in the drama game than we are in the execution game. And I don't know why that's true about people, but it just is. People are dramatic and they they're looking for something to talk about, to scheme about, to to create a us versus them about whatever. And if you're young and, and you're an intern or you're seasoned, it doesn't matter. Like part of our job as well is great employees and great volunteers and great door holders and great team members is remove the drama, like get rid of it, fight, fight against it, um, squelch it when you find it. But the best way to remove drama is actually just go do stuff, go execute, go, move things across the finish line, find, find a goal that you can all rally around and go create drama around that. Don't, don't create drama around the things that, that are sideways energy that end up just paralyzing everybody because now we got to go deal with that. It's the same thing in leadership. Like most of us deal with 
most most management issues are drama issues <laughs> at their core. Um, but it's not going away because it's people. So so part of our job is to is to the way we best manage people is that we 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 create systems that remove drama and we we find ways to get rid of the drama because that's most of the time what's the barrier that's holding us back. I think one of the I think the big key to what you're saying is the the first part of your book H3 leadership um, with the whole humility side. I think you'll see a sense of entitlement if you have entitlement you're not humble. If you're helping take things off a plate in the right way, you're probably doing it with humility. Um, in your experience, like when you think back to like your interns or working with young leaders, uh, when you think about the people who are humble and weren't entitled, like what did that look like? What? How do you? How do you like lose that sense of entitlement and take on more of a spirit of humility? Yeah, well, humility starts with the understanding that it's not about you. So at the at the at the at the very beginning of the story of humility, it has to be an understanding that that I'm not the center of the story. This is why Christian leaders should be more humble than regular people. It's because we've already we've already we've already said yes to that story, which is that um, Jesus is my savior. I'm I can't get there. I'm not good enough. Therefore, I need someone to step in and take my place you know so christian leaders should be the most humble because we we understand that it's not about us we're not the center of the story jesus is um so that that's a, that's the place to start is that it's there's a bigger story going on here than than me there there's also a real confidence for people who are who are really humble and what i mean by that is they're going back to self-awareness of discovery and, and authenticity, the more dialed in I am to who God has truly made me to be, that the more humble I become. And which which is confidence that's appropriately curated and postured into the right willingness for me to have full awareness of of what I'm supposed to be doing. Here here's the Here's the here's the point on this is that I think the opposite of humility is insecurity. Hmm. I don't think the opposite. I mean, it, it is true that, that arrogance is a good answer to that question of what's the opposite of humility, because that's what most of us would say. But I actually believe it's it's more about insecurity. It's more like the, the, the arrogant leaders I'm around are the are the ones who are most insecure because their look, their, their posture is, man, I hope I don't get found out. I hope I don't get found out that I'm really just not that good, or there's things deep down going on with me that, you know, I, I I'm just really insecure about. Um, and so, part of what going back to your question, like the 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 interns on the team or young leaders who are living this premise out of humility, is that they're they're confident. It, humility is not weakness. Um, it is meekness, but it's not weakness. It's it's confidence that is bridled. You know what I mean? Like that that has to be the posture. I I love the idea of a picture of a of a animal who's humble, which is a racehorse. Because yesterday was the the Preakness, and we're in the season of the Triple Crown. I, I love watching racehorses. I just because I'm working on a ranch. I, I'm I'm a horse guy, but a you know, when you when you see a thoroughbred running uncontrollably, 
that is not a posture or a picture of proper humility. But when you see a racehorse bridled effectively and now under control, that to me is the humble leader, which is that you're you're on the right track. Your 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 posture is one where you have incredible power, but yet it's being bridled in an appropriate way, and it's being resourced in an appropriate way, and it's being, you know, you're capturing that essence of of true confidence of this amazing animal that is now like steady and under control. And it's not a it's not a weak animal. It's the most it's one of the most powerful animals you can see. It's it's incredible strength, but yet it's bridled. It's it's under control. So that, that's a long answer to your question, but those are a few things that come to mind. So what would you say to the the young leader who's like, yeah, I've probably not been self-aware and I've been the unbridled confidence. What are some tips that you'd give that person to, to bridle themselves? That sounds weird. Yeah. Well, it, it does come back to, I mean, uh, the biggest tip I think is, is, is figure out what story you're in and then make it about that story. And that, that sounds very vague and sort of Tony Robbins ish, but here, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I'll, I'll take it back to the catalyst world just because that's a good example to think about is the interns on my team at catalyst. I understand you, you know, I understand that you think you could run this place and I understand you want to, you want more, you want more power and more opportunity than you probably should be given at 22. I get that. I love that. Now here's what, here's what we need to start with is that the story we're telling here is not that you're going to have a three month window to put something on your resume and you got to get everything possible out of this so you can get to the next level of your resume. Like you, you're, you're here just to pad the resume and get the next job and all, every conversation you're having and everybody you meet, it's all about what's the next season for me because it's all about me and I got to get that next job and everything, all of my mindset is towards me being the center of the story as a, as a non-humble leader in that environment. The humble leader in that environment is what's the story I'm part of here. It's, man, we're part of a generation that's, that's impacting the world. How do I tell that story? How do I be part of that story of Catalyst in a big way? Well, I, I move the needle on whatever the big goals are for us. You know, it's make Jesus famous. It's, it's thousands of people showing up at a conference. It's people discovering their calling in a powerful new way. And so when I get a picture of that compared to, I just got to go pad my resume because I want the next thing and I, it's, it's all about me getting the next promotion and the next, the next uh, bump and pay the, the being able to start my own thing. That's, that's what I mean by get, get right on the story you're part of, because if you help tell the story of catalyst in this example of the intern, all of that other stuff will take care of itself. Like you will get elevated, you'll get promoted. You'll, you'll, you'll have favor. You'll, get the next job, you know, that people will come calling, wanting you to be part of their team. Like that, that will take care of itself compared to that. It's all about you. It's all about you. And, and we see this man. every single day. It seems like there's another example of a, of a CEO of some company who, when they started, they had the right story as part of their, of their 
of their vision. And now all of a sudden they got to the top of the food chain and they started thinking about, well, I just got to get my, I got to get my 30 million in stock options because now I'm the center of the story. And you watch all these things unfold where they have major, you know, filings of, of illegal activity or moral failures or all these things are, are misproper placement of yourself in a story where now you're the center of the story compared to, no, there's a bigger story happening here. I'm, I'm, I'm just part of it, you know, so that, that one has to be really clear for all of us is, is do we, do we, do we truly understand the story we're trying to tell in the midst of this season? I did want to shift gears for, for one more question before we kind of wrapped it up. But one of it was, so, so that leader who's now that millennial, who's now in charge, how does a millennial yes. lead older generations? Well, yeah, great question. Um, I feel like you guys are the experts because you're you're probably doing that. I'll give you a few, and, and you. <laughs> I don't know if we're doing it well. Though. I don't think we're in charge of yeah. anything, but. <laughs> well, you you jump in and and add add some uh, some context maybe. But here's here's one way is is everybody everybody understands reality and you remind them of that on a regular basis, meaning that 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 part of the part of your posture is, is not every day, but quite often you're walking in going, hey, guys, listen, here I am 25 and I understand that you're older than me. And I understand that's that's not easy. And I don't know it all. In fact, I the, the thing I need the most from you is your help, because there's going to be things that I totally goof up on. You have way more wisdom than I do. Um, I need you to coach me in this process. So what, what you're doing when you do that, one is you're, again, you're changing the story. Um, you're, you're also giving them permission to, for, everybody, for everybody to lean into helping you. And give, you're giving them an assignment which says, I can now be a father figure or a mother figure or a brother figure or a sister, older sister figure to you compared to feeling like now you're, you're just that constant older voice going, well, this young knucklehead doesn't know what he's talking about. And when, when we give when we give older leaders that sense of them having permission to speak truth into us and to speak and to help us, then it changes the whole dynamic of the team. So, what what do you guys think? Like when I first started out, um, I the the difference was I did think I knew everything and I didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I, I remember sitting in my office being like, I know what to do. Just ask me. Why aren't people asking me? But I wasn't humble. Because I was like, you know, I know what we need to do. I know the next steps. I know where to go, which are all good things. But I really came at it the wrong way um, mm. without honoring, without loving, without, um, you know, investing in the relationship. I know for me that was, you know, as I have conversations with, with older people, it's that, I, like, I try to bestow as much honor as I can of just being like, you know, hey, you're you're doing things and you've gone through things that I have no idea. You're raising kids. I've never raised a kid, you know, and that's gotta be tough and um trying that's to good. trying to build in honor is something I try yes, to do. And that's great. The honor thing is really important. And the thing about honor, I've heard Brian Houston say this and others, but um honor flows it flows up, down, and across. It doesn't just flow from older to younger, or it doesn't just flow from, from person in charge to person not in charge. 
you know, it, and, but it also, but, but it flows back and forth both ways. And, um, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. It doesn't just flow from, from younger to older or from those not in charge to those in charge. It actually flows the other way as well. And it flows across. And, you know, if you want to create a culture of honor, you you just said it. It's so true. Like younger, honor, older. And, and, and older, honor, younger now, but, but you might have to give them permission to be able to do that. And the, 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 I think the power too of, of if I'm a young leader and I am in charge with a, a bunch of older people on my team or those who are more experienced or wiser is, is also just this sense of, you know what, like at the end of the day, I'm going to try as much as possible to elevate them to places where they win. And that can be that I'm fighting for you with our boss or with my boss or with, you know, with the, with the organization. Um, And that's, this is true in any environment, but I think even, especially it's more true when you're young is that people on the team then they understand that you're fighting for them. Like you're, and you're trying to elevate them into places where they'll get to be in charge. Many, many times, potentially even at your own, at at your own demise or at your, you you know, it's, it it might end up being that, that they get a, they get a promotion and you don't. But, but when we, when we take that approach that says, Hey, I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to find as many opportunities as possible to promote and elevate you because you're older and you deserve it. And you've been around a while and, you know, you put your years in whatever it is, um, man, that speaks, that speaks really loud to somebody who is older on your team. Yeah. That's awesome. I had that conversation today actually is just explaining to somebody. We were talking about this before Mm -hmm. the podcast of just being like, the reason I did this was so that you would be at the forefront would be so that people, would walk up to you and tell you the stories and talk to you and allow you to lead. And I Mm. could really be in the background and I could see as soon as I said that a shift in, in the conversation of just being like, Oh, okay. Like, and I, and I told them, I was like, obviously I didn't explain that to you well, um, because it didn't happen or I didn't do it well, you know, but that was my goal anyway. Yeah. The, the, the That's one good. I, I've been reading a, a little bit about the companies are making the shift to what's called the upside down org chart. And it's, I mean, it's everything that you guys have been saying, but if you look at like an org chart of like, and this is like corporate America, some companies have embraced this, the CEO is at the bottom and then it, it works its way to the top. And so the, I guess, quote unquote, the entry level positions are the one that are elevated to the highest. And yes. I, I try and really take on that mindset when I'm working with like the volunteers at, at my campus and, you know, just to think like, Oh, I'm just empowering them to be successful and I'm trying to build them up and elevate them. So that they're, they're the ones who are successful. Um, and I think it's a really interesting concept, especially for like corporate America, for like the CEO to say I'm at the bottom. I think I, I first read about it from, uh, it's a company called Asana. It's a productivity software but they like put it like a newsletter and the newsletter talked all about how Asana has embraced this upside down org chart. And if you were to see their org chart, the entry levels at the very top, and it was just an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a, I mean, what we, we know that to be true from again, a, a proper picture of, of the, 
the leadership of the kingdom, right? I mean, the leadership of, of Jesus, like the, the power, the power is in the, the person who is the servant. Um, but, but that has to, and I, and I, yes, I totally agree. And it's catching on because it actually works. And it's something that, that this generation is going, you know, I thank you for that because otherwise I don't see myself as the lowly bottom of the barrel. And in fact, if you treat me like I'm the bottom of the barrel, I'm going to go somewhere else. Like, I, I just don't, I, that doesn't even compute anymore. Um, so it's, it's not just, it's not just good kingdom leadership. It's actually like, it's actually good practice. It's, it's best of today in terms of the reason companies are doing it because it works. Right. Right. And it, and every 20 something walking in goes, yes, thank you. I mean, if you go to Google or Amazon or Facebook or, uh, you know, Apple, any of these Silicon Valley that are kind of well known, they may not, they may not show it on a, on a document yet, but I promise you their structure is very similar to that, which is we're flat. We, you have as much, you know, as the 22 year old brand new coder, you can walk into Mark Zuckerberg's office, just like, you know, Sheryl Sandberg can, who's the COO. And that, that's a, that's a, that's because it's working today. You know, it's because those, when they're trying to recruit the best in the world, 22 year old, that's what they expect. So I think it's the church, you know, let's, let's lead on this. Let's like, let's be in front on this in terms of, of creating environments and cultures and teams that, that are way out ahead of where Amazon is or Facebook is or Apple is. It's something we should be doing for 2000 years. We kind of got a, we should have had a jump on people. Yeah. We knew all. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had the, we had this, we had the secret, right? We I had mean, the we, secret. We, yeah. We it knew was, the answer. Yeah. It was literally written down for us. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we, we like to end with one last question. If you could hop in a time machine and were able to give one advice, one piece of advice to young Brad, when he first started out in ministry, what would you tell him? That's a tough one. I love this. I, I love this question, though. What kind of time machine am I in? Am I it's, in like the? It's am a, I in like the. We usually say the DeLorean. It's the DeLorean, but it's faulty say, because like, you get like thirty seconds, and it's going to rip you back to boom. present day. So you have to be like, what's the one thing you could tell young Brad before the DeLorean fails and you go back again? I would say I would say this way: your your twenties establish your seventies, and take the long view. So. The, the man I'm becoming, I've got a 10-year window. If I'm 20 years old, I've got 10 years to build my foundation that will, be, that will then create the ripple effect of the impact when, I'm, when I die and people are at the funeral. That is, that is the foundation for that. So if I take that approach, what will I do in my 20s that will create that foundation for for legacy in my seventies. And that's instead of building my resume, I would rather, I need to focus on building my, my epitaph. Instead of building my resume, I need to focus on building my legacy. You know, the things that are going to be said about me at my funeral, that's what I'm working on in my twenties. Not what's, what did you do, Brad, that now is going to get you the next thing. So Good word. That's what I would tell myself. That's a good word.
And I want a time. I want a time machine. No, I, can I, I get one of those? <laughs> no, can we please do this? Me Make Carl, it happen. We talk about one. time travel all the time. Actually, me and Carl. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. I think I think Elon. I think Elon Musk is going to figure it out. Dude, if anybody can do it, that dude <laughs> can do it. Yep. I want solar yep. roof so bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> how if people want to get in touch with you, they want to learn more about you. There's your book, Catalyst Leader, and also H3 Leadership. Um, where yes. where can they find these and and connect with uh, you? It, yeah, anywhere books are sold, just go to Amazon. Um, it's the easiest place to get both those books. And then I'm online. I'm on all the outlets, just my first and last name, Brad Lominick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. And that's website. That's Twitter. That's Instagram, Facebook, all the outlets. Well, thanks so much, uh, Brad. And thank uh, all of our listeners for tuning in and uh, and listening. Uh, and we hope that this was a helpful conversation and we will see you guys next time. Peace out.